Welcome to the Hungry Few Podcast with your host, Riley Logsdon, where we extract the top habits of highly successful individuals and reverse engineer their tactics, behaviors, and strategies. You'll learn firsthand from experts grinding in the trenches daily. So you have all the tools and tactics to reach your destination. Are you one of the complacent many or are you one of the hungry few? What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Hungry Few Podcast. I have one of my really good friends here today, Austin Santee, who is not only a bodybuilder, a fitness model, and a personal trainer, but was on Ellen and Fox's Ultimate Tag and also owns a supplement company called Tribeco. Welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for having me, brother. It was so, a very great introduction. I wish I could introduce myself that well. Oh, you're awesome. It wasn't too hard. I had to pick and choose. There was, there was so much. It was, that was the hard part is finding what do I include in the intro because you just your, your rap sheet is so big. The other day, I was, uh, a friend was taking a photo of me, and he literally got like the shot in one shot. And I was like, dude, you did that in one shot. He's like, he's like come on. If a, a photographer can't take a good picture of you, then there shouldn't be a photographer. There you go. <laughs> I was like, thanks, bud. That's awesome. So let's get straight into it. Um, you're obviously you've been in the fitness industry for a long time you've fallen in love with it you're super passionate about it how did this journey start for you where did you get into fitness so i actually used to hate working out like it was probably my least favorite thing to do in the world um i love to play sports like my entire life i played soccer baseball football and basketball and football was my primary love so when i got to high school i basically predominantly focused on football and baseball and the weight room was something that was like I didn't see the tangible benefits of it. My coaches never really did a good job explaining it to me. My dad never really like explained that to me either. And so I would just kind of like screw around during weights. You know what I mean? Like we'd, we'd be like lifting weights, but it would be more like I'd be messing around with my friends and not really like taking it seriously or having fun because I didn't understand how weightlifting like translated to gains and experience on the field. And yeah. so I wish, you know, if I had, you know, one thing that I could go back and do, it would be to, I would start taking it more seriously and start training smarter and more efficiently way back when, when I had the opportunity to actually get those beginner gains and to like implement those onto the field. Um, so I definitely didn't take it as seriously as I would have liked to when I first got started, mm -hmm. but, um, it was because of the fact that I, I didn't understand why I was working out. So I think that's a big thing is, is people need to like understand how it translates to their life into the real world yeah. for me. Uh, that didn't come until after I graduated high school. I had a stinger in my neck and shoulder from football. It was a football injury. And then I also broke my jaw in two places from baseball. And so I wanted to rehab those injuries and like get bigger and get stronger and like continue and be able to play football. Yeah. So what I did was that summer I worked a nine to five job. I worked at a car dealership as a receptionist with my sister. And all I did after work was go to the gym. And my brother and my cousin were like pivotal in that because they taught me the ropes. They taught me how to do things properly. They th taught me how to like bodybuild essentially. And so I was training properly and I was lifting heavy and I had consistency and I had people who were holding me accountable. And that was the perfect recipe for success in that environment. And then I also had good genetics for it to where it was like, I started to see gains really quickly and I started to enjoy getting stronger and getting bigger and, and the confidence that came with that. So that whole summer I got to work out with them. I got stronger, I got bigger, I got faster. And I started to realize like, wow, this is awesome. Like not only am I more confident on the field, but I'm more confident in my day-to-day -day interactions in my life. And so from there it became a keystone habit for me. It was like, I don't go to the gym to work out. Like I work out, I am a, an athletic person. I, I am a healthy person. And so just the simple act of going to the gym started making me change the way that I was eating, change the way that I was interacting with my environment, with the people that I would surround myself with. And so in junior college, my goal was to keep lifting, go back to play football, get recruited to go play D1. And that was like the ultimate goal. Another injury happened. And that was in the spring training of my first year of junior college. I do get hurt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, the, the working out doesn't necessarily always translate to, <laughs> yeah. to being anti-fragile, right? I, so I want to go back to baseball. You said you broke your jaw in baseball? I did break my jaw playing baseball. In baseball. How does that happen? Well, I was one of 100 that the doctors said that don't come in from like a drunk bar fight. They're like, you know, hundred out of hundred cases, like 99 of them, we see like people get drunk, they fight and they break their jaw. So they were all like sympathetic for me and like they wanted to help me and stuff. And so, yeah, I actually cracked my jaw like in the bottom and then dislocated it up at the top here. And so I now have a, a titanium plate in my jaw here. So 
if you, you ever, hit with a baseball if, bat? If you want to get in the ring with me and, and hit me there, it's, it's going to hurt your hand. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, I did not get hit with the baseball. Um, I was playing center field, and uh, I clear as day. It was like a pop-up shallow, shallow right field, and the second baseman should have caught it. He was my best friend at the time, so I always give him a hard time about it. I was like, dude, you broke my jaw. <laughs> um, he moved out of the way because he saw me and the right fielder like barreling in on him, you know, and um, neither of us called the ball because it was basically we both had to die. So I dove, he dove, the bottom of my jaw hit the top of his head, knocked him unconscious, and I get up, throw the ball in. No, I didn't catch it. <laughs> Everybody always wants to know, did you catch it? I'm like, no, I didn't catch it. Uh, get up, throw the ball, and he's laying on the ground, like eyes in the back of his head, just like unconscious. I break my jaw here, so I thought I lost a tooth. Like I had a whole split, like the size, like a half an inch, like a size of a tooth missing in my jaw. And so I'm looking on the ground for my tooth and trying to figure out like what's going on because also a little bit woozy, you know. Mm-hmm. He has to go out of the game. We're like short staff, so they put a piece of gauze in my mouth and send me back out there. I was like, yeah, I'm fine, whatever. <laughs> so three pitches later, I'd go to swallow some of the blood in my mouth, and I couldn't even move my jaw. Like, it was just, Jeez. yeah, that's that, like the pain that I was experiencing. And the worst part was I was up to bat next, so I was pissed off because I wanted to bat. <laughs> Couldn't bat? Couldn't bat. Well, I mean, I, I should have, right? Uh, so my, my brother-in-law was, was nice enough to take me to the ER. We spent the next 24 hours in, in the ER trying to figure out, like, what the next steps were. They did CAT scans and MRIs and, you know, the whole nine. And... um two weeks later I was scheduled to have surgery jaw surgery so I spent two weeks like with a broken jaw and then they did the surgery wired my mouth shut and I had to do another two weeks without eating solid food so I went four four weeks without eating solid food I had to drink shakes and you know Nutrisystem like vitamin oh, mixes like it just that's all it was you know yeah. so I'll never look at look at those things the same again um, my grandma was really sweet, kept bringing me milkshakes from, you know, <laughs> McDonald's. Like, she'd bring, like, three extra larges in one day. I'm like, Grandma, like, I can't drink this much. <laughs> um, back to baseball through three weeks later, though. And um, I missed most of the league, which was a bummer because um, it was my senior year. But all in all, the experience was, was humbling. And, you know, I, I learned that you can consume liquids and still survive i lost like 16 pounds which is not saying a lot because i was only 160 so i like dropped down to like 144 um so i was kind of stick and bone back then and one of the reasons why i needed to lift so much and uh i had to go to prom with my jaw wired shut so that was fun (laughs) oh man but didn't hold me back you know still had fun so so right on so that was a baseball injury. I was just curious about that. How do you break your jaw in baseball? But um, let's dive back into... Colliding with the right fielder. <laughs> Steve Briones. Thanks, uh, bud. <laughs> so, so let's get back into... You're talking about how you started with your fitness journey and how you started to gain confidence and you started to see results not just with being an athlete from the gym, but in other areas of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's the one big thing that, that people don't always like know or or understand about about the gym is not only do you gain the physical um attributes of of working out but it also helps you develop so many other disciplines in your life and so for for me having the the habit and the accountability of going to the gym every day and being consistent doing something like that i was able to see what discipline can do in my life in in one very important component of my life which is my health which is the one thing that i get to truly own for the rest of my life right one thing I like to say is like all the meaningful things in life are built, not given. It's like mm-hmm. meaningful relationships, marriages, friendships, houses, businesses, your body. All of these things are things that you have to work for. You, they they don't they're not just given to you, right? Yeah. And so for me, being able to to see where I started and and not and then where I was one year in and then where I was three years in and where I was five years in, it's it's compounding gains, right? So it's it's so cool to see how the laws of nature, the laws of universe can apply to something as simple as fitness. And I think that's the one thing that people don't understand. They see me and they're like, oh, this guy's ripped. He has good genetics. And it's like, yes, but no. It's like I've been playing sports since I was four years old. I built up my metabolism because I used to run around every single day playing three sports a a year. And when I wasn't playing sports, I was swimming and I was active. And so like 
those are the reasons that I started out with such a good foundation. And then as soon as I started working out, I also had the right people teaching me the right ways to do things. So I was able to expedite my learning that much quicker, which is the perks of having a trainer or having a coach or having a teacher or having a mentor, right? They're able to shorten the gap of the amount of information that you have and help you understand what that next step is to where you're able to lessen the amount of time that you're spending trying to learn something new. It's good. Yeah. Do you have mentors in your life to help you upgrade in different areas? Um, I wouldn't say that I have a specific mentor at the moment. Um, I've had like friends that have kind of taken on that like mentorship role, but, um, I've had mentors in my life specifically in fitness who, you know, were bodybuilders who were great coaches, who were great trainers that taught me technique that taught me form that taught me that ego lifting is not something that's going to get you anywhere, you know? trying to keep up with other people in the gym is the fastest way to getting injured, you know? And it's like, those are the types of things that, that young kids need to learn and need to understand, especially young males, because they're trying to compete with their friends and they're trying to, Oh, I I benched 135 before you. And it's like, you need to get out of that competitive mindset, not necessarily, um, with yourself, but with others, right? It's like, you do want to continually break PRs in the gym because that's what's going to help you grow and help you build muscle and help you gain size. Yeah. But if you're not, if you're competing with other people, it's it's always going to be a loss because you're constantly comparing yourself to the best of the best. And it's like I have people coming up to me all the time. They're like, I want to look like you, and I'm like, Well, I want to look like him. So yeah. <laughs> there's always somebody bigger, there's always somebody stronger, somebody faster, what more beautiful, whatever it may be. So it's like that comparison game is the quickest way to um, get down on yourself, and it's like like we talked about before, it's like confidence is the number one thing thing that you need to carry in life in order to, to make it and to be successful. Mm, That's good. Yeah. I'm almost at the point where I can bench 135. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get you, we'll get you back in the weight room. (laughs) We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. But, um, it's funny how that's such a milestone for everybody. It's like every guy, you know, when you're in high school, like I want to bench 135 and then you start doing it and you're like, okay, now it's like combine weight. It's like 225 for like 25 reps. Let's do it. Yep. Yep. But that's the other question, too. People see me, they're like, this guy's jacked. How much can you bench, bro? And I'm like, dude, I don't even really bench anymore. Yeah, like, it's not that good on your shoulders. Like, it's not really that effective of an exercise. Like, I'd rather dumbbell press or ask me how much I squat. Yeah. <laughs> that's more important to me. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Those legs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, in the fitness industry, there's a lot of different diets. I mean, you have paleo, you have keto, you have all-carb diet. You have all these different crazy diets, and it's kind of all over the place. And it mm-hmm. seems like... Some of them work, some of them don't. What is the like biggest misconception you've seen in the fitness industry? And what are one to three steps that somebody could do, in your opinion, to start getting their dream body? Ooh, that's a really loaded question there. I like the way that you, you said that. Um, I think it's really interesting with the, the diet component of this, right? I'm going to answer this in two parts because it's such a, a dense question. Um, the, the diet question of this is, is really interesting because it gets into the psychology of marketing, which is something that you probably can attest to and like really like, um, appreciate Mm -hmm. because the psychology of marketing is a little bit different than like human psychology. And it's like, okay, when you look at the science of it, the reason why all of these diets work is because they put you into a calorie deficit, not necessarily the diet itself, but the fact that it puts you into a calorie deficit. So if we just taught people, taught kids in school, how much they're allowed to eat or how much they should be eating, like budgeting a bank account, we're budgeting your metabolism. Mm -hmm. This is how much you should be eating based off of your size, based off of your body composition, based off, based off of your activity. If you're more active, you need to consume more in order to fuel that activity. Just like if you spend more money, you need to make more money in order to cover those expenses. Right? Yeah. So I think it needs to go all the way back to grade school to teaching kids how to properly eat. None of this food, food pyramid stuff. It needs to be like, these are the food groups that you should be eating and this is how much you should be eating. And if you start to work out more, if you start to run more or whatever that may be, then you need to increase your energy. And if you start to lessen that load, right? If you stop playing soccer or something, then you need to start eating less. And I think just teaching kids to have a healthier relationship with food is really important there. Um, and that goes down in, into restaurants and everything too, right? It's like you go, when's the last time you went to a restaurant and you saw like chicken and broccoli and rice on, a, on the menu for a kid? It's always like chicken Never. tenders and mac and cheese and grilled cheese and pizza and burgers for a yeah. hot dog, right? Sugar, and it's like sugar and fats. Yeah. And, and so that's, you're teaching kids that this is what they're supposed to be eating. And then when they're 18, they're used to eating that stuff. So they're not going to want to eat the stuff that's good for them. They're going to want to eat the stuff that they've been eating their whole life that yeah, they, they the craved that was sugary and that like gave them that good sense of, of feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that that's where the education system kind of 
drops the ball on, on one of those things. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation too. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, Long story short. I think it's the food industry too is, is they want the food industry. They want these kids to grow up eating the same food. So then when they grow up in their adult life, they're buying from the same people exactly that are selling it. And it's, yeah. I mean, Warren Buffett has a really good quote. It's the chains of habit are too light to be felt until they are too heavy to be broken. And it works both ways. It works with bad habits. You, you build these habits, these bad habits, and you just you don't know they're a habit until you realize, oh, shoot, I probably shouldn't be doing this. And then at that point, it's almost too heavy to be broken. Yeah. And same thing with good habits. You build good habits, and you, you, you go start going to the gym, right? You start going to the gym all the time, and then you get addicted to it. Right. You can't miss it. Healthy obsession. Healthy obsession. Yeah. And it's just we're, we're very habitual creatures. And so I think we need to be very intentional with what are we actually doing? Because we're going to build the habit of doing it over and over again, no matter what it is. Yeah, absolutely. So we need to be extremely intentional with what are we allowing ourselves to make habits. Yeah, I agree a thousand percent. I think that those the the power of habits one of the most um, important books that I've read recently because of the fact that it teaches you how to change your identity and how to change those micro habits and how to have it stack, how to create these habits that work for you instead of against you. Because it's so easy to have positive habits but it's also it's even easier to have the negative habits right so mm-hmm. you have to mindfully consciously make these decisions each and every day and eventually it does become a part of your identity um i think it's funny that you mentioned warren buffett though because isn't he notorious for like having a coke and mcdonald's like every single day or something yeah. <laughs> yep he the yeah, same clothes every day and, and... Ha- have you listened to this like or heard this uh read the psychology of money yet Psychology of money, I'm not. That, so that one's really good too. But it's really interesting. Like he goes into compounding gains, and um, basically, it's it's habits, right? It's like compounding gains works in the gym. Compounding interest works in fi- finance, in life, and um, like even compounding relationships, right? So like once you have a well-established relationship with somebody, it's very simple to call them up, even if it's been ten years, and know that you can rely on that person. So these are all things that um, I think people underestimate that are important in life. Um, But Warren Buffett started investing when he was like 10 years old and he's still doing it at like 89. And so the reason he's got 183 billion or whatever it is, is because of the fact that he's been investing for 79 years. Mm -hmm. Not, Not necessarily the fact that he's the best investor of all time, but because he's been consistently good for 75 plus years. And he still continues to do that each day. And that's basically what a life in health and fitness is it's like you don't get to eat a salad one day and say you're healthy you have to choose to eat the salad and choose to not necessarily it doesn't have to be salad but you have to choose to eat well whole nutritious foods every day and consistently mm-hmm. and as well as where you don't even have to necessarily work out you can and this i guess is a good way to segue into the biggest misconception right um I think in order to lead a healthy lifestyle, people think they have to work out like five days a week and they have to be super diligent and they have to be super disciplined and they have to eat chicken and rice and it has to be meal prepped and all this stuff. And I think that that's the biggest misconception is that it takes a lot of effort to get to this body's type or that body style. Right. And I will say that it is a lot of effort to get to fitness model shape Mm -hmm. and it is a lot of consistency. You have to eat well 90% of the time and train five six days a week and that's kind of what it takes in order to maintain that upper echelon you know to be in the top two percent and that's a lot of energy that a lot of people don't really have to spend to get into shape right but the biggest misconception is that you have to do all of those things it's like no just eat well 80 percent of the time right like Pareto's rule so four out of every five meals make them healthy make them at home make sure that they're not coming out of a package they're not processed goods for 80% of the time you can eat well and then 20% of the time you can have your fun foods like your pizzas and your burgers and your fast food or your Uber Eats or whatever you want it to be and I think that that's a healthy balance that you can have in your life even I, I will even tell my clients that I first start out with is the, the sandwich rule it's like two out of every three meals so 67% of the time you should be eating something that you cook fresh at home that's healthy and that's a whole food and um, it's not I think that that's the biggest misconception is that it's it's difficult to do this it's like no two out of every three like you can't do 67 percent of your meals at home and it'll save you money it'll save you time and you'll be much healthier for it overall 
And then as far as the gym goes, if you want to really benefit from working out, you do want to train three, maybe four times a day with weights. Like that's going to be the most beneficial for you. However, to be healthy and to lead an active lifestyle, you don't even need to go to the gym. You can just find a hobby that you love to do, whether it's bike riding or volleyball or running or cycling or, you know, it just, it doesn't matter what it is. Just do something and move your body every single day. My ha hobby and passion just happens to lie in the gym and that's, happens to be the number one thing that's good for you to build muscle and to kind of attain the body and the lifestyle that I've created, you know? Yeah. So for, to break that down into a few things somebody can do, that's not necessarily into fitness right now to start their journey, to get their dream body, to get into the shape they've always wanted to get into. It's not too complicated. It's essentially just start eating clean 67% of the time and find a hobby that you enjoy to do that that keeps you active exactly do something active do something you love do something that's sustainable right because we all know everybody who's like getting into shape they go to the gym they hire a trainer they go all in they do it for three months and then they're like this isn't working i'm done i don't want to do this anymore and then they fall out they yo-yo they stop doing it and then a year later they're like damn i really want to get to shape again they do the same thing they fail again and it's because of the fact that they're they're not doing something that they actually enjoy doing they're f or, or they're not actually embracing this right like they're they're saying i have to go to the gym it's like no you get to go to the gym mm. i have to work out today no it's like i get to work on building my dream body yeah. like once you start f changing it's the way that you shift. start approaching the the hobby or whatever it may be or it's like no you don't have to go to the gym but go for us go for a skate walk your dog do something movement do something that you love do something that you're going to sustain long term because fitness health is a long-term game you have to do this for the rest of your life yeah. otherwise you're going to be 90 and you're not going to be able to walk yeah and when you start to actually move more it almost becomes like i was saying earlier it becomes a habit and it becomes something you're addicted to when you realize how good you feel not just physically not just emotionally right through confidence but also mentally how much more clear you can think how much happy you are i think just going to the gym without even having to practice gratitude, you become more grateful. Right. Just, I think it's a chemical shift in your brain. And That's, so. You hit the nail on the head with that. So, and I was talking to this about with this, with one of my buddies, it's like people don't understand that you are actually having a chemical release. You're re releasing endorphins. You're getting a, a hit of dopamine when you're working out. It's like, why do I feel happy when I pet my dog? It's because your body is naturally releasing these hormones. Yeah. Why do I feel happy when I'm with my best friends? Because your body is producing these hormones. Whenever you're doing something that you enjoy, your body is experiencing a shift in like scientifically releasing the, the hormones that are um, responsible for creating that change in mood. And so the ultimate goal would be to fill your day with things that give you these real senses of um, endorphin releases, right? Yeah. Whereas like something that is instant gratification, like like Instagram or like, you know, the all the um, research that we're starting to see on, on social media, it gives you these like little hits of dopamine, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's not sustainable because it like peaks you and it brings you, picks you up, brings you back down. And so what you want to do is do things, find things that are going to give you the long, the long-term things like, and that goes back to the meaningful things in life, right? It's like working out is going to give you a long-term benefit, long-term endorphin release, having a meaningful relationship with your wife or significant other, whoever that is, that's going to give you a positive dopamine release every single time that you're experiencing closeness with them, you know? Yeah. So I think that that's the most important thing is that people don't understand that there's actually a scientific change happening in your body every single time you work out every single time you do something meaningful. It's mm, good. And talking about discipline, right. And, and having a delay of gratification, I think people, a lot of, a lot nowadays struggle with, they have no delay of gratification. They want it right away, especially with social media and all the dopamine releases that we're getting from Instagram. Right. And how it was explained to how discipline was explained to me by one of my coaches was discipline is just choosing what you want most over what you want now. Right. And when you can see, when you could in that moment of, of what, what decision do I want to make? I think it was Ray Dalio said, when your values are clear, the decision becomes easy. And when you're in that moment and you could see like, Oh, well, what choice do I make here? It's, it's, do I want to choose what I want right now? Or do I want to choose what I want most? Just mm -hmm. having a little mental shift helped a lot too. Absolutely. No, I love that. But so I want to dive into, I love how, how you're able to take quotes and like weave them in. So masterfully. Yeah, I'm a big good. quote person. Me too, uh, I agree. I love quotes. Like earlier, you are talking about compounding interest and, and uh, the 
the power of habit. And um, it made me think of Napoleon Hill, and he likes to call it hypnotic rhythm. Mm. And hypnotic rhythm is just the way of the universe. It's it's something that happens naturally. And you can either have positive, like forward hypnotic rhythm momentum, or you can have negative hypnotic rhythm that works against you. Yeah. And so it's like the laws of nature do not apply to human relationships. So like it doesn't care. The laws of nature doesn't care if you're a nice person. But if you do good deeds, then that may come back to you. That's kind of what the hypnotic rhythm like statement is it's mm, good i yeah. like that yeah i love the way napoleon hill thinks I'm he's awesome right. he's <laughs> but so so when i think of you one of the first things i think of is how you're a master networker how how you manage to to just find so many good people and, and find your way into i mean you're, you're very good at building community how how have you done that how what are certain things that you've done to I guess be a magnet to other people or are, are you attracting other people or are you the one that is, is putting in the work to grow your network? Yeah, that's a great question. And I appreciate the compliment, obviously. Um, I think it, it attributes to a lot of different things. Um, the number one thing that I probably would say that it attributes to is just, um, almost like my, my upbringing was very unique. Um, a lot of people like look at me and they think I'm this like big kind of buff douchebag for lack of better words like they're like oh this guy's buff and beautiful he's probably dumb and like yep. a dick you know and you know what's funny is my my buddy chris you know chris my my best friend my business partner in tribeco yeah. he comes into fit athletic that's how we met and he goes up to the to the guy at the staff and he's like i want you to give me the buffest douchiest trainer you got <laughs> and they match him up with me that's and awesome. slowly but surely he realized like i wasn't that but i was the buffest in the gym and so they're like okay we're gonna give him to austin um yeah. and, you know ended up becoming best friends and, and now business partners and so um i think that that's also a testament to to be, me being able to, to grow my network and to to um to make, make friends with anybody right mm -hmm. um i think what it boils down to though is, is kind of my upbringing. Um, I had a like very unique upbringing for a kid. My dad was actually a maintenance supervisor at a senior citizens complex. I, I don't even think you know this. Mm -hmm. Um, and so uh, essentially I was raised by my dad, my dad, who was a single father and a bunch of senior citizens. And so mm -hmm. like it helped me be more genuine and more kind and to be like more loving and to be more polite and to like care for others because I, I had to help senior citizens. I was like yeah. doing community service as a seven year old kid until I was 16 years old. And yeah. so it really like changed my personality to be of service and to like, um, care for others. And so I think, you know, seeing my dad embody that and seeing him embody all of these qualities of like kindness and compassion and consideration for others helped me really embody that. And I think that when you, uh, like naturally embody stuff like that. It does tend to have other people do tend to gravitate towards you because they're like, this guy like seems very genuine. And sometimes they're like, there's gotta be a catch. Like he's, he's gotta be faking it. There's no way he no can be way. that nice or that kind. You know, I actually hate when people call me nice because it's like nice, nice guys get walked all over. Right. It's like, yeah. I, I like to be called kind yeah. because kindness is means you have the strength to be able to give back. And mm, so that's, that's kind of where I feel like I'm at in my life is like, I, I want to be able to give back to everybody. Um, but so you use that language, give back. But what I've realized is you're more of a go giver. You, you, you're always giving to other people without really even expecting anything back. Yeah. And that's a stoic principle or, or the go giver is a great book. Um, and I, I think that it's just for me, like connection and community is, is really what like makes life worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's, there's some great quotes about this as well. It's like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah. And that oh, one really biblical. resonates with me. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's a, not an allegory, but uh, I'll remember. <laughs> um, so it's like an African pro proverb, I think, yeah. it's, or a Turkish proverb, one of the two. I think it's African proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of the concept. It's like, you know, a, a life well lived for me is, is to have meaningful relationships. By the time I die, like, I want people to... Like if I were to write my eulogy or if, if I were to have people go up and speak about me, I don't want them to like talk about, you know, the kind of car that I drove or like the, the 20 the, jobs. Yeah. The business that I had. Or, yeah. Or even that I had a great body. I yeah. want them to say like he was a good person. He was always there for me. We had so much fun together. I remember like Changed talk about life. great memories. Like he was always kind, like those types of things, you know. Yeah. And um, I think that that's at the end of the day what's what matters most to me. And um, recently I just came across another quote that it was like um, the goal of life is to continuously and constantly surround yourself with people who make you happy or people who make you feel good. And I think that if you can live a life like that, then you have lived a, a pretty good life. 
And so, um, I don't even remember where we're going with this. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, well, oh, networking. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, for me, it's like that basically uh, Naval Ravikant, one of my favorite people to follow, he, he has a quote that's, um, basically he says being ethical is long-term greedy, right? So like being a good person or like living your life by having ethics is greedy in the long term because for the rest of your life, everybody that you encounter, everybody that you know is going to be like, yeah, that guy's a stand-up dude. Um, I'll be willing to help him out in any possible way. But it's yeah. like, it's not coming from a place of like, oh, I want them to help me out. It's a, uh, I want you to succeed. I want to succeed. Let's see if we can help each other succeed, you know? Yeah, that's good. I love that. So let's, I want to dive more into to Ellen. How in the world did you get onto Ellen? Um, that's a good story too, actually. So basically, um, I told you my brother and my cousin got me into weightlifting yes. way back when. And they really like helped build that like brotherhood or that camaraderie that I, that I do experience when I go to the gym. And it's like you're doing something positive with one of your best friends or with, with somebody. And you really are able to establish this like meaningful relationship with this person because of the fact that you are working towards something together. And um, I think that that's why people in business or, you know, like coworkers like become such good friends is because of the fact that they're like building something together. And so basically what happened with, uh, the Ellen show was I, I met up with my, my cousin who was, you know, my big inspiration for working out at the LA fitness expo. And there was this agency called naturally fit agency doing, um, a national model search at the fitness expo. And, you know, basically I told you before, like I, the gym helped me build so much confidence, but I haven't really truly like grown into that realized confidence until the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. So this was like, I was like 23, maybe just graduated college, my undergrad. And, um, they were doing this model search and he goes, Hey, I just did this model search. I'm not a good fit for it. He's six, four, like has tattoos, big dude, yeah. but like not a, not like a, the fitness model, like look that you expect. He's more of like bodybuilder, you know? And he's like, you would be perfect for this. Like, you need to go do it. He basically dragged me to this, to this expo, you know, through the expo to the booth. And I go in there and I'm all timid and shy. And they're like, you know, can you take your shirt off for us? And I'm like, you know, taking yes. it off. Yeah. Right, exactly. And, uh, and look at me now. It's like, I can't, I can't keep a shirt on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so they, they go, hey, like, we want you to take photos with our photographer. Like, literally on the spot. They're like we like you, we want you to take photos with our photographer. We're going to, we're going to set that up. So yeah. they set up a photo shoot with their photographer. Um, I shot with him in LA like a couple weeks later and my very first job that they booked me on was the Ellen show. They were like, Hey, are you available tomorrow? And I was like, I got to work and I got class, but like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so figure it out. Yeah. And, and it was only like, I don't know, like 400 bucks that they paid me, you know, but it was, uh, it was that's exactly what happened. I, I had to, I tried to get my shift covered at work. Couldn't get my shift covered. I literally, this was the first oh. day of work that I ever like did a no call, no show. Or I guess I called them cause I was like, Hey, like I'm not going to be there, yeah. but I didn't go to work. And so, um, totally worth the experience. <laughs> oh yeah. Drove up to Burbank, got to, got set up in the Warner brothers studios. It was, there was another model on set. So him and I hung out backstage for like two hours, just like munching on snacks and like getting our pump on and um we broke out and became friends and then uh went on stage did our you know five minute five minutes of fame and i got to go home so it was it was a cool little like notch on the belt to be able to, to go onto tv and to have that experience yeah that's awesome and, so, and did, to make ellen fall in love with me yeah come on <laughs> let's go did uh, that lead into ultimate tag or is that a different story um, no, ultimate tag was actually just kind of random too. Um, you know, Instagram as, as much of a love hate relationship I have with it, it's been very big for me, like personally and professionally to, to be able to find clients, to be able to share my wealth of knowledge and to be able to network and to be able to like, uh, basically it's like a, an online resume for the fitness realm and for other things, you know? Yeah. And so for me, it's like a really good way to market myself and to brand myself. And so this, the, the ultimate tag thing actually happened because one of my friends was um, following one of the casting directors and the casting director posted a story about casting, you know, amateur athletes, trainers, those types of people, basically types of people like me. And um, he sent that story to me. It was like, hey, I'm not a good fit for this, but I think that you would crush this. You should do it. Mm -hmm. And so I reached out to the guy and he immediately responded to me and um i i auditioned for that or interviewed for that and they liked me so they brought me up to la and that was an incredible experience too going up to la and, and getting to meet tons of other like-minded individuals and to, to be able to compete on professional on television in a sport that like was kind of with professionals you know yeah so kind of like average joe versus professionals which was a, a fun like environment to be in 
Oh, I bet. Yeah. Oh, that's the Watt brothers, right? Yeah. So the, the Watt brothers were the, um, the hosts. And what was really cool was like, I got to meet all of them, you know, and, and my friends and family got to come and see them and meet some of them. And, um, TJ actually got to have like a full on conversation with, and I'm, you know, sitting there looking at him. And at this point I'm 26, 27 years old. Yeah. And, um, I think it was 26 and TJ Watt is younger than me. And he's just like killing it in the NFL, but and he's like six four, like towering over me. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like this surreal experience of like, hey, I'm getting older. Yeah. This kid is younger than me and just crushing life and crushing, you know, everything. Um, you know, defensive player of the year, just a super stud, and he's younger than me. Um, yeah. When I used to look up to these guys on the field, so it was a really like realization moment for me to be like, oh, you're you're there. Like you need to start start doing something with your life. Yeah, no, I had that too. With uh, who's the guy on the Padres? Um, Tatis. Tatis. Fernando Tatis. Yeah, he's yeah. a stud. He's 23. Is he so really? 22, 22 or 23. Wow. And I'm like, holy smokes. Good this for guy him. is making 40 million, something like that it's a year. It's insane. Well, Machado is the, the one you really want to strive for. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, I got some work to do. Um, so one of the questions I actually like to ask a lot of my guests is, how has a failure turn, turned into success? How has one of your failures led into a into a success and like Michael Jordan says I'm successful because I failed right and um, another one I like is Winston Churchill who said um, success is just going from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm and so it seems like it's a pretty common theme of I mean failures inevitable right in order to reach success right so can you give us an example of something that could be either fitness wise or business wise that you thought was a failure at first you thought it was the end of the world and then you're looking back on it, like that's actually probably one of the reasons that I am successful because I took this and learned from it. Yeah. Um, gosh, I mean, just like hearing my story, you can kind of hear that there are so many failures, right. Yeah. That, that turned into to positives. And I think that that's the one thing that, you know, I'm, I'm reading growth. Uh, sorry. I'm, I'm reading mindset right now by Carol Dweck. Yeah. And she talks about the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. And, um, it's one of those things that like in your actions, you can actually inhibit or exhibit both of these characteristics of whether of either a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. Mm -hmm. And the, the goal is obviously to, to exhibit as many growth mindset traits as possible. Um, and your relationship with failure is one of those things that is very important in actually having a growth mindset and being able to implement that into your life all the time. And so for me, you know, I never really saw failure as an option growing up and, I think that that was an unhealthy relationship with, with failure because like, I didn't realize that you could fail and learn from that failure and then come back and be even stronger. Yeah. And so the ultimate goal for me now is to, to, to go into every life lesson thinking like, okay, if I don't, if I don't win this, like, what am I going to learn from this so I can do it better the next time? And so, you know, the, the, probably the biggest one that stands out for me, you know, especially on my journey was, was the multiple injuries, right? It's like, if I hadn't have gotten injured and broken my jaw and, and broke and, injured my, my shoulder, my stinger, I probably would have gone and played football at Whittier, which is a division three, um, played there, had a great time. There's like 1600 students in the entire school. It had been completely different. My, my trajectory would have been a completely different, um, space, you know, like my environment was, would have been a lot smaller. I might, may never end up in San Diego. Who knows what my life looks like. Mm -hmm. So experiencing that injury and like go falling in love with the gym changed my life for forever. Right. Um, the next failure, I guess, would be like, you know, I did, I completed my MBA and I started my own training business. And I wouldn't say that it was a failure, but it wasn't a success quite yet. So I was training um, part time, bartending, basically full time. And that's how I was, uh, you know, making ends meet at the time. Because, you know, when you first start, try to start out training, it's not always the easiest to get clients, especially when you're young and don't have a huge network. And so I, when I was actually on the set of ultimate tag, when I was there for the couple of weeks that they were putting us up in the hotel, I had my old fitness manager at fit reach out to me and on Instagram, he DM yeah. me and he's like, Hey, um, I don't know if you're interested in this or not. We're building a brand new gym fit athletic mission beach. I was familiar with the brand because Cassie had worked there. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I, I kind of actually had a bad taste in my mouth because of like the reputation that they had. It was, it, it seemed like a very like, um, like ritzy gym. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. And then I talked to a couple of people who are like, no, you need to do this. And I was yeah. like, okay. <laughs> so, um, I, and I'm so glad that I did because like I was a, a struggling trainer and, and bartending. Right. And so I, I take the meeting, fall in love with the guy, you know, we're still really great friends to this day. And he basically convinced me like, you need to do this. Like, this is your shot. And I was like, all right, let's do this. 
And my life changed forever from that day because, you know, I went from being a struggling trainer to now being a full-time trainer at one of the nicest gyms in San Diego and expanding my network tenfold. You know, all my friends now basically come, came from like that new environment that I was placed into my best friend, my business partner came from that environment. I got to meet Drew. I got to film content. Like I got to work at one of the coolest places in, in San Diego or, or, you know, one of the best gyms that there is all because of the fact that like I was struggling to make it as a, as a private trainer. That's where we connected too. That's where we connected. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy how everything kind of goes full circle. Um, and then obviously, you know, I ended up cutting ties with fit this year and it's like, everything kind of goes full circle. And I think that, you know, I wish them the best and I know that brand is going to do well and continue to grow. And, um, I think it's, it was time for me to move on and like go into the next chapter of my life. So speaking of going on to the next chapter, talk to me about Tribeco and what you're doing with Tribeco. Yeah. So uh, I guess this is probably another like example of like how, you know, failures can, can be a positive thing. We, we were planning to launch right before COVID. We had our, you know, big kind of launch party event and, you know, everything dialed in to, to get going and, uh, COVID happened. Yeah. Right. And so we had this huge event where you have over 200 people coming through. We have a huge community workout. We had a bonfire, we had a bar crawl, just like kind of all the, the great things that San Diego has, has to offer. And, you know, more than just be a supplement company, we want to be a community for, for like-minded people, for people who like embody this mindset of growth, this growth mindset who, who want to develop themselves into the best versions of themselves. And we want these people to be able to, to meet and to build a community together because it's such a strong knit community. And so we thought that, you know, why don't we take all of our favorite things to do and like bring other people together so that when they see each other at the gym, the next time they can be like, Hey dude, I, I saw you at the Tribeco event. Let's go get a workout in together. And so that was the, the, the thinking behind this. And, you know, we, go all in and try to to throw this amazing event. We have our manufacturer lined up so we can start launching our products and then COVID happens and that kind of derailed everything. And so, uh, we were like, well, we can't launch a business in the middle of a pandemic when no gyms are open. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. And so we finally got to a point where we were comfortable launching again recently and now we're hitting roadblocks with, with financing. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's been really awesome because we've had the time to like, get all of the backend stuff dialed in, all of the marketing in place, all of the um, product d- development in place. And now we're just need to, to make the purchase order. And so basically what we realized is like, Hey, how much money, like we did all of the, the business plan and the pro forma, like how much money does it take to, to start, start this and how much money do we need to make to make this worth it? Yeah. And so for, for us, we, once we started diving into the details, we're like, Hey, this isn't going to be the, the, like, we're not doing this to, to make a ton of money, but we need to, it to be profitable enough in order to make sense. Yeah. So what we're doing now is going back to the drawing board and we're going to add a, an additional product driver because we need it to be more profitable. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's, you know, another, another thing that we can kind of look at is like, Hey, you know, it's a blessing in disguise because we are going to launch with two products. Now we're going to launch with three products and we're going to try to tap into a much larger network for it. So really excited to get that product developed and then get that product to the market because I feel like that could be our biggest product yet. What products are they? So the first two were, were pre-workouts, an, an all-natural male and an all-natural female pre-workout. And a lot of people kind of gave me a hard time about like launching two different products, but men and women, you know, scientifically, like they, they desire different feelings in the gym. And so having two separate products, I think is very beneficial. And it's like, it makes sense because they have like his and hers hygiene products. They have his and hers other products in the, in the world. So it's, you know, we're not saying that like you have to take the guys or the girls version, but we're saying like for your goals or for what it is that you're trying to achieve physically, this product will work better for this person. This product will work better for this person. And, um, it, it was a hit, you know, yeah. women loved our, our, our female product. Men loved the the male product and some women liked our guys product and some guys who wanted to cut like the girls product. So, yeah. um, the, the moral like story is that they're, they're both, cutting. they're both great products, but it just depends on what your goals are and what you're trying to do. Women don't really want to get a huge pump or feel tingly, but guys want to feel, feel like it's working, get that yeah. the itch from the beta alanine and they want their muscles to be bulging. Right. Whereas women want to feel hot and feel sweaty. Whereas guys are like, I don't want to feel hot and sweaty. Like I'm working out. Like I, I am going to yeah. get hot and sweaty no matter what. Whereas girls are like, I want to hop on the, the treadmill and, and feel hot and sweaty. And that's what this product is going to do. It's going to help get you into that fat burning state. So you start feeling hotter and sweatier faster. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Um, and then the third product is a brand new product that we is, is kind of a still a, in, in the works. Um, it's kind of a brain baby for Chris and I both. And it's been something that I've been wanting to do for a while. 
Um, it's going to be similar to like a nootropic, but it's going to kind of rival like coffee or like um, Red Bull or yeah. uh, Celsius, like the ready to drink products. It'll still be in powder form. Mm -hmm. And we're flirting with the idea of doing like, like tubs or sachets so that people have like individual servings of it. Mm -hmm. And the, the idea of it is like for the high performer, for the everyday hero, for doctors, lawyers, you know, firefighters, policemen, nurses, people who are working high stress jobs that don't necessarily have the time or don't want to get like the, the caffeine jitters. So it's, it's a, going to be a product that's going to be an all natural alternative for them to get like the, the focus and the mood enhancing benefits of having a product like that. And we'll probably do a caffeine and um, a caffeine version and an uncaffeinated version just to give people the option to, to do it, you know, whether they want to drink it at night or whether they don't want to get jittery from the caffeine or they don't want stimulants to be in the product to give them that edge, to give them that focus, to give them that mood enhancer without any of the, the side effects of the coffee or of the Red Bull type thing. Yeah, that's awesome. I can see that being huge for CEOs too. I mean, I drink so many cups of coffee a day right now. I'll right. usually switch to decaf when it gets later. But if I had <laughs> something like that to to drink instead of coffee, that would probably be even a lot more effective, like a nootropic that will help me focus, which is is the whole goal of drinking coffee, right? It's for right. the energy and the focus. Yeah. So I can see that being huge. Also. Absolutely. Uh, well, and it becomes an addiction for most people, right? And so yeah. the ultimate goal of this would be to 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 make it to where people can can take it for you know four weeks at a time and then cycle off of it, drink coffee during their, their off week or whatever it may be so that you don't build a tolerance to the product. It's hmm. awesome. Yeah. So one of the questions I like to ask, another question I like to ask on here is why are you one of the hungry few? Why, why are you driven? What wakes you up in the morning and and makes you want to go and achieve that higher level? Yeah. Um, well, that's a great question. Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to pull up my Instagram here because I have there's my, my bio literally kind of explains this. Um, in, in my bio, I have a quote that says, what's the point in being alive if you don't at least try something remarkable, right? And so while we were getting started, we talked about the man in the arena quote. And it's like that quote are, like really um, resonates with me because of the fact like, you know, if I was in the Roman days, like I know for a fact, like I would have been down in the arena fighting for my life or fighting in battle, not in the stands cheering them on. And so nowadays we don't have that like physical innate like desire to, to, to fight or to, to, to conquer other people. But I do want to contribute to the world. I want to leave something worthwhile and I want to do something that is, is memorable. You know, mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite quotes is, is a stoic quote. And it's like, waste no more time arguing what a good man should be, be one. It's a Marcus Aurelius quote. And it's, it's literally over my bed. And for me, I've done so much work building the man that I am, like becoming the person I am, reading, doing the self-improvement, eating well, working out every day, building building meaningful connections. Now it's not enough for me to just be a good man. Like I want to help others know what it means to, to be a good person and to grow and to elevate so that everybody can kind of elevate together because it's like you see so much trauma and so much hurt in the world. And it's like, if we continue the, at the rate that we're at, we're only going to continue to get more divisive. Yeah. So I want to be able to, at this point, like I want to be able to give back the knowledge that I've gained in order to help build other people up. Mm, that's good. Rising tides raises all boats. Yeah, exactly. It's like when you get to the top of the ladder, like reach down and help somebody else up. Yeah. I think that's, it's a necessary thing. It's, it needs to, needs to be, you need to have somebody above you helping you get to the next level, level yeah, right? exactly. and then you have to have somebody below you and then also i'd say the majority of people at least in the same area as as you're at right right to go up but. absolutely so this is kind of similar but a little different what is your message to the world if you have one message what what is what would that be you if everybody in the world's listening right now what would the message be you'd share to them gosh it's funny i, I mean i feel like that i just said it yeah. It's the, it's the, you know, the, the quote, waste no more time arguing about what a good man should be, be one. Like, yeah, it's, you know, it's one thing to like, to do the self-improvement and to read these things and to like argue about what it is, right? Like, okay, my, what's my definition of good? There's not, there's not, there's not a universal definition of what a good human being is. Right. Yeah. But stop worrying about reading about what the next big trendy thing is. Like, just live it, like take action and, and live it and be it and do it. And I think that our, our, our tribe co mission is, is to live more, be more, do more. And for me, it's like, I want to make meaningful memories with the people that I love. And that's like what makes a, a meaningful life, you know? Yeah. 
So I think that, you know, just take action on whatever it is that you want to do. You know, don't, don't hesitate, be courageous and be confident, believe in yourself. Mm, That's good. I like how you said to, to be a better man too, is, is your message to the world. Not, not necessarily something else, but to be a better person. And it's funny how a lot of people's mindset, and this is what you could tell about you is you have a phenomenal mindset. A lot of people's mindset is, is like money mindset, for example, is I don't want to make more money because everybody I know that's rich is nahole or selfish or is this, and they have one foot on the brake and one foot on the gas, right? Because the brake is stopping them. Well, I don't I like, yeah, sure. I want money, but everybody I know that has money is this type of person. And it's funny. My, my buddy Joel was on the podcast too. And he said, people that have that mindset of, of, I don't want to make more money because people with money are selfish. My argument would be that they're actually being extremely selfish because the only thing they can think about doing when they have more money is spending it on themselves. Not what can I do for other people? Right. Not how can I give back? Yeah. Not, not how can I give back? What can I do for other people? And so that mindset is, is super inspiring to see you too. And it's really cool to see how, how you think. And that's one of the reasons I do the podcast is because I love how all these people think. And it's super interesting. I mean, think and grow rich is phenomenal book too mm-hmm. and how you can literally think your way into making money and how important mindset is for actually creating wealth and manifesting that and manifesting yeah. that no i love that and I, I think you're absolutely right i think the the way that i like to view it is like money money won't change you money money's only going to amplify what's already there right mm-hmm. so if you're already a good person who wants to give back who wants to 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 help others you know attain wealth then it's only going to amplify that you're going to be more loving more giving more giving of your time and more giving of your resources and that's what i strive to be as i continue to elevate in my life that's awesome we'll do this this episode was awesome we talked about fitness your fitness journey how you got on ellen being a master networker and kindness and being a better person it, it was awesome podcast cannot wait to go back and re-listen to it but uh before we end this where can people find you so you can uh, find me on my website at austinsantee.com, www.austinsantee.com. You can also find me on Instagram, which is where I'm probably the most active, at Austin Santee. I'm on TikTok, thanks to Riley over here, at Austin Santee Fit, and I plan to be more active on that um, because it is actually a really cool platform. It's just a matter of, of having the time to dedicate to the energy to that. And then I'm also beginning my YouTube channel, which will be at Austin Santee as well. So those are the the major platforms that I'm on. And... Uh, I would love it if you guys came and and kind of supported me along the way and and watched my journey. Perfect. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of The Hungry Few, and I will see you guys next time. You've been listening to an episode of The Hungry Few Podcast, where we believe complacency is the enemy. Thank you for listening, and until next time, stay hungry.